This is the Daily Wrestling News for March 7th. It is an AEW Revolution post-show special. My name is Ryan Joy, and I'm coming to you live from Minutes to Bell Time Studios on the beautiful treasure coast of the Sunshine State. And I am joined today by Salesman of Fun with his MJF shirt and swag on, Travis Severance. Good afternoon, evening, whatever we are. It's evening. I think we're going to be doing, it'll be March 8th by the time we're done with this. But we'll get the 7th and the 8th. We'll get some crossover here. Yeah, that's true. Well, we did. There wasn't a morning show this morning. I had a real hard time not saying good morning, but ah, here okay. we are. Yeah, just a few minutes after Revolution has gone off the air. It's been about oh, probably about fifteen minutes now. Um, I think we start with the barbed wire match. Uh, I thought great story, um, lots of booms, but it kind of went out with a whimper. I would say. Yeah, like I've had better fireworks in my backyard with sparklers in the little country hick town we grew up in. Um, <laughs> gosh, you know, come on, guys. Like we can put at least give me Kane in the four corners going up or something like that. You got poor K- Eddie Kingston that looks like the final scene of Platoon covering up his guy after a big grenade. And it was like a couple of twirlers and different things like that. I don't know how they didn't run that. It was it. it it was the, by that. far the by far the worst part of the show. <laughs> Let me say this: I thought um, it was fine all match. I thought the yes. barbed wire stuff was good. I thought the little explosions on the rings were great. Mm-hmm. I thought the storyline they were doing with with Kingston coming out at the end um, and putting putting himself over the top of Moxley as the ring blows up, all that was great. Unfortunately, the execution on those fireworks was just like to the point where I think. Uh, Kingston was not necessarily selling the bombs so much as if I lift my head up, I will laugh. <laughs> That's kind of oh yeah, at that point for sure. So so that was how it was going into this match. I was crazy skeptical about it. Um, I'm like, okay, exploding barbed wire death match. I'm like, how's this gonna go? And the first time they hit the ropes, I'm like, all right, well the explosion went off a little bit sooner, and yep. you could see the replay on that. But then I thought the rope explosion and stuff like that worked out great outside on the on the when he did the driver outside i thought that was fine even the the gimmicked bat i'm like wow they're coming out with a gimmicked bat that's extra thick the fact that that one went off and it was good and the timing was good i'm like all right you know what maybe maybe this thing's just gonna go and i'm like boy the only thing that can really be a letdown is if this ring doesn't blow up the right way yeah And man, I don't know why they, maybe they shouldn't have panned the camera out so far or whatever it was, but yeah, the whole story is fine. I'm, I'm good with Kingston coming out and making the save because I'm like, man, somebody's going to cover the locker room and have to save this guy. Like what's going to happen. And like, I got a whole bunch of different things going through my head. Like, is this the bucks coming out to say, listen, guys, we've gone too far. Um, who knows, but the story. Yeah. Great execution of that special effects. Not good. Just and, and honestly, that one effect, which you know they practiced a thousand times, and yeah, it just didn't work. Just didn't go. And I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if you know TK afterwards said some some part of the effect did not go off, or they were worried about some kind of an effect, so they cut it last minute or something like that. I mean, look, Undertaker can tell you all about getting lit on fire by pyro. Right. So you know what? Better <laughs> safe than sorry. But at the same time, like you're building it up with this big countdown, it's too bad that that could be what people remember the pay-per-view for. 
And that would be too bad because it was um, start to finish. Uh, well, I should say start to about 30 seconds, 45 seconds from finish. A plus show. Great show. Nothing to complain about. Awesome. No, no. Um, no new champions tonight. No, but, you know, they don't have a lot of belts either. You know, sure. they don't have like throwaway belts. So, you know, the TNT title we knew wasn't going to be on the line. The tag titles were on the line, the women's title, and we got to see the heavyweight title. So, so three out of four were on the line, but they don't have like a, you know, a garbage USA belt or something like that. I guess the closest they have is a TNT belt, um, which just hasn't been defended all that much, which would be another criticism of this latest run that I would have for these guys. Um, yeah, no, no title changes, but in a pay-per-view, if I don't see a title stay, change, I want to see the end of stories and I want to see the beginning of storylines. And I think we got a whole basket full of that tonight sure. for sure. Sure. So I think we covered um, to some extent how the show ended. Let's go back to the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and we knew that coming into this show that we were going to get some surprises. We knew we had a sixth man in that ladder match that we didn't know about. We knew we were going to get a signee. Um, but the show started the buy-in, and you had a tag match advertised: Britt Baker and Rebel versus uh, Thunder Rosa and Riho. Rebel got hurt, I guess, and and she had a walking around with a crutch. Uh, and we got Maki Ito, who was like the star of Twitter and promos and the tournament that didn't make it very far. So um, I think she came out to a great reception, and I think people were genuinely happy to see her. So uh, I'll give. AEW credit like no other when it comes to certain things and taking care of their fans is what they do. So after that first round loss, my God, the marks were all over Facebook. Oh, the tournament's over now. How do you get rid of Maki Ito? How do you have Rio over her? Yada, yada, yada. And don't get me wrong. I'm not huge to pay off the trolls or to pay off the haters online and stuff like that. But it's obvious that they took a look at what was being said. I don't think this was planned. I think because of the way her schedule was and different things like that, I'm not sure they thought this was going to pull it off. So they put the tag team match in there, and then you know what? They managed to get her stateside for it. Now she, we're probably going to see her for another two weeks on Dynamite. She'll do this. She'll do this taping, and you know we'll get some good matches between her and the rest of the Joshis, and it'll be a really, really good thing. But I mean, credit to AEW and their team to to take a look at what people wanted as far as that goes, and to see more performance. I'm positive if there was another. Um, competitor during that tournament that had the same kind of response as she did, they would have brought her over instead. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, hats off to them because they, they just changed, they changed direction and, and did what they needed to do to get the talent there to, 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 as a big surprise at the beginning of the, for free, yeah. <laughs> you guys got that for free. Like yeah. there was nobody paid a dollar for that. So. And one of my favorite moments was, uh, Britt Baker and Maki Ito both giving everybody the bird. That was awesome. Oh, just perfect. Yeah, she's yeah. so Maki Ito is so crude and just very terse and stuff like that. And she looks like she's super, super sweet, but she's actually saying f off the entire time. Yeah. So. I should. So we should mention, I guess, the outcome was Britt Baker and Maki Ito getting the win over Thunder yep. Rosa and Rio, a fourteen minute, uh, almost fifteen minute match uh, on the buy in. And uh, Rebel did use the crutch to, to get them the win. But 15-minute um, buy-in match, that's pretty good. And the women yeah. did well. 
and and it was it, it was go time too. I I wouldn't be surprised if they actually changed the finish because Maki came in to be able to continue the storyline for the next couple of weeks. When I saw the match go up there, I'm like, oh, this is just you know we get an opportunity for Thunder Rosa and Rio to pay off their losses from before, and Britt can still be strong, and you know they'll get some kind of a victory that way that doesn't hurt her too much. Um, but I am I am ready for a good Britt Baker run more than probably anybody else in AEW right now. Like, yeah, she's ready to go. Please let's get her in a real program and get the belt on her and have that be the women's division representative. So, yeah, I don't think you're alone there. I think a lot of people are right there with you. God, she's so Um, talented. So I want to move next into another one of our surprises. Um, Gosh, there was so much speculation about who the big signing was going to be. Um, Kurt Angle putting out teaser videos to make us all think it's going to be him. Uh, everybody from RVD, any, anybody who we know to not be under a serious contract was up for discussion. Um, Christian's not really one of the guys that that was on everybody's radar. Um, and then really interesting that Christian was in the Royal Rumble. He was at the end of the Royal Rumble, you know, pretty far into it. And um, it's kind of amazing that he didn't get nabbed up by WWE in some sort of contract that would have been, uh, you know, good for both sides and that he's on AEW. Well, so on top of that, too, if you watch the day of for Royal Rumble, he played a pretty big role in that special that they did the day of the Royal Rumble and even talked about, wow, he was so excited that there was a crowd reaction that he got and so many people. And he's like, you know what, maybe I can give this thing another go. And for whatever reason, you know, midweek it came out in the dirt sheets. There were some grumblings that the WWE couldn't agree on money with him for whatever reason. Um, and what, Tony's going to take it and run with it. And yeah. you're talking about one of the best tag team wrestlers to ever put their boots on going to a company where they're full of tag teams. And like, some young tag teams that just his brain. Do he doesn't even need. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't even need to step in the ring, and he's going to immediately give value to all that young talent just by being able to coach them and talk them through how to do their matches and things like that. And on top of that, too, unlike some of the other names that were thrown around, Christian hasn't really been overexposed. He had a run on TNA that was pretty solid and pretty positive. Um, he's one of the smarter business people. He owned the Christian name the entire time, which was very different than everybody in WWE back in the day. Um, so I'm interested to see how this ends up going. He's in good shape. He's not, you know, it, it's been a very busy week for AEW talent um, as far as signing new people. So okay, so here's a question: Is he going to be a heel or a face? Uh, he's probably going to be a face. Um, he'll be a face at least for 30 seconds. Yeah, and then he'll say something, and we'll know for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because you know, and, and we'll talk about it when we get to the Sting match that. They are really smart about how they take care of legends or older yeah. wrestlers and stuff like that. Their reverence to that. Um, it's obvious that it was a pain point that a lot of people had felt about and people talk about it the way the WWE kind of treats some of that older talent and stuff and how they, you know, gimmick them out or clown on them or stuff like that. And that's just never been the way that AEW has handled those people, which is why I think you're seeing more of that. Older wrestlers are willing to come over and say, okay, I don't have to be the clown or the S end of the joke, or I don't have to be the guy that gets people over right yeah. so it, it it should be interesting if he, he he can go either way for me so i i think it i think it's gonna it's just gonna be good. one one really interesting thing about christian 
you know, uh, WWE had pulled out a million legends in the last year, right? And, you know, for different ratings things and stuff like that. And the tease of Christian wrestling back last summer, um, maybe maybe it was even last spring, uh, when he had the, the the Monday Night Raw with Randy Orton. With the Orton thing, yep. That actually moved the needle and drew ratings. Um, More than Edge. Not many people that can say that. Now, if we have them every week, that's not going to be the case. But sure, it was interesting, you know, as as a, a person who actually moved the needle on Raw, that you know they couldn't figure out a deal with him. So, mm-hmm. and that was something that happened mid-show too. So he wasn't yes. advertised as an appearance. He came out and responded in that Raw, and then the idea that there was going to be a match set up where he was going to lay some up and go drew that last hour was a big uptick for them. So it's just dollars and cents to me. I'm not sure what they couldn't get settled that, that Tony Khan was able to get settled, but I mean, good for him. Hats off to them. It's just another, another piece of talent. I I agree. I don't, I don't think I want him on a full work thing, but like there's a lot of commentary spots and different ways where these guys can get involved with the, with the product too, that they don't have to be working all the time and the schedule is pretty nice. So, Double or Nothing announced for May 30th uh, this right year. Corner. Um, not in Vegas. There was some talk. Cody, you know, Cody was saying we have no plans of not being in Vegas. Uh, they do now. They do. They definitely do now. So yeah. um, May 30th, Double or Nothing, the third iteration. That has been a great show each year. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, me too. Me too. They've 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 been really good there. May 30th feels it feels so quick after we were so dry for pay-per-views for so long. Like, ah, this one's just in the can and I got another one in like 60 ish days. Like, ah, okay. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is that revolution was delayed a couple of weeks. Right. So, you know, you're, it's even longer two weeks closer now, you know, than what you would have been. Yeah. Depending on how they're doing the calendar, maybe they'll sandwich in another pay-per-view for me. So I hope that's the case. And they'll, you know, they'll sandwich another you know, big dynamite in the middle for sure. Without a doubt. We'll see another bash at the beach or whatever, for sure. Yep. Fighter fest. So the, the main show opens up with the young bucks and, uh, MJF and Chris Jericho. Um, Jericho used Floyd through the match. Wardlow got involved. He took a Judas effect. Uh, ultimately the young bucks though, they used the Meltzer driver, got the win 1749. I will say this of the, of the Young Bucks pay-per-view matches, this was I didn't think was the strongest of them. You know, we had Escalera de la Morta, we had the match Revolution last year with Page and Omega, we had the FTR match, even Spring Stampede. I would say this was on the weaker end of all that, but still a good match, solidly worked. So I would say this, right? We take a look at that roster of wrestlers that they're facing previous to this match. It's mm-hmm. a different level of talent. We're wrestling definitely a different style. For you sure. have two essentially chicken shit heels that they're fighting in this fight. So the style of match is not going to be what we saw with the tables and the ladders. And we're not, we don't have the story that we had with the Kenny um, hangman thing. And to me, it's obvious that Christopher has lost a stat. I mean, he, he got pinned mm-hmm. tonight. Um, that's, that's 12 months straight of pay-per-views that he's lost every single match. Um, I just, I have to question his leadership inside the inner circle at this point and <laughs> his in-ring ability too. Um, it seems like it's all going downhill. Maybe he got caught up in too many music videos with quarantine or his podcast or 
hockey. I don't know, but it just seems like he doesn't have his eye on the prize. They should have definitely had their opportunities tonight with the belt to get the belts. I mean, Wardlow played a big part. And, you know, it seems like to me that Max brought all the effort that he possibly could. And Chris definitely let the team down. So um, we'll see what happens during the war council. But he, uh, <laughs> he's he got some explaining to do, I think, to the rest of the faction. Wow. Wow. Well, that's a uh, that's a storyline fan uh, answer to the question there. Um, before, let, just go back to Christian real quick. Uh, John DeCani chiming in. Christian should mentor another young tag team, leading to a match with Matt Hardy before both of them retire from in ring and stay in the mentor manager role. Makes sense, you know. And and they've been talking about those six man titles for a long time. And now you got Tully Blanchard doing the same thing, you know, so. So I was actually, that's what I was going to throw in. I, I don't know if we've talked about it on air or not, but the number of three man teams is oh, yeah. really starting to grow at this point where we've got three guys or a handful of guys that can get together and stuff like that. I mean, it feels like the dark order have about four three man teams that they can put together. So. Well, and, and three man belts is interesting. You can take somebody who is a little bit weaker, like, Tully Blanchard, right? That's not really going to be a solid worker. Throw him on the team, and he can, you know, tag in. He can be the guy who chokes the guy in the corner and things like that. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to carry as much of a load. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know you, you do. We do need to see Christian and Matt Hardy on opposite sides of the ring, or you know, tagging would be kind of an interesting thing too. Yeah, and that's kind of the why I was like, Christian's probably going to be more faced because I I agree that he's going to be on opposite sides of Matt Hardy. So. You know, if that means Christian's working with Top Flight or something like that, then, you know, I think that would be yeah. pretty fitting as that's a style that he's familiar with. And uh, it would be a good counterplay against Private Party. And then also when Bowens gets back from his injury and Caster, you got three great young tag teams there. And you throw Bear Country in the mix, and that's a hell of a four-way. Like, because yeah. they're big bruiser guys and young as well. So there's a lot coming for sure. Yeah. So I guess going back, just uh, going back, uh, Young Bucks, they got the win over MJF and Jericho. So they move on. Their next program is against Pac and Phoenix, I guess, who won the Casino Tag Team Royal, um, which was a tag team Royal Rumble. Yeah, so the casino part kind of got thrown out the window. They didn't yes. draw cards like they normally do. It was the first no thing joker. that I wrote down in my, in my notes. I'm like, this is not... This is just 90 seconds. We're going to bring in a new tag team. And it felt formulaic as a match goes to me. Okay, the new guys came in, clear the center of the ring, have them go. I guess it's the same as a Royal Rumble. And Royal Rumbles can kind of be boring that way too. Uh, the new guy's in. He either gets floored as soon as he gets through the ropes or he's a house of fury on the first four guys he touches. He hits his finisher. And then we move into you know leaning on guys outside of the ring. It is hard no, to I, make Rumbles I, interesting. I don't mind the uh, the concept. I think it's actually kind of... Um, an interesting spin we've never seen on the WWE side. We've never seen a tag team Royal Rumble. So I, I kind of like that. Yep. Um, but I'm used to the casino brand that they have built. So when I hear casino, I think a casino battle Royal, I think it's going to be the four suits. You have four big dumps and then you have a surprise Joker. The not having the surprise Joker is what, kind of sad to me but yeah and i got annoyed too because i thought we were going to see a surprise too and then they showed the graphic up on the screen and the buy-in and i counted really quick and i'm like oh that's all 15 teams yeah <laughs> like i guess yeah. there isn't going to be a surprise here so yeah they not having the suits and stuff like that it, it i i wish it was a dump and it felt like it dragged a little bit i think because of that because it was one tag team at a time and you know it didn't it, 
the all the favorites were packed towards the end. I guess that's not anything new with the Royal Rumble, but it, it well, made it a little bit less interesting, I guess. I guess Phoenix and Pac isn't interesting as a as a duo. You know, we've seen them. We saw them on Dynamite, and they squashed um, another team in a minute last week. I think they were on Dark too, so they've got a couple of wins under their belt. But um, the, you know, the typical tag team is Phoenix and Pentagon right. or Penta Al Zero Miedo. Um, but but now we have Phoenix and Pac, which I think is a very interesting team. So um, it is. And interesting. I think I'm not sure. The Bucks. I, I'm not sure they're. I don't think they're taking the, the belts off the Bucks. They are an interesting oh, team, so. and it'll definitely be a good match. But I think we're going to probably see a traditional two. Like, I if I had to pick today blind, I would either say we'd see FTR take the belts off them, or maybe a Jurassic Express change would be the two. Yeah, that I think. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like Phoenix and Pac are the a future tag team champion here in the near future. I could, you know, could be wrong as well, but yeah. Um, but I think they will make a good match, you know, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a partway match, right? Like that, that'll probably be one that we build to in a couple of weeks and they have that and then move on to the next big program. Yeah. I mean, they already talked about the singles match for next week, right? Yes. Nick Jackson or uh, Matt Jackson for Phoenix. Phoenix. Yep. Should be a good match. Yes. Um, okay. So we had the women's tag or women's championship match, Sheeta and Rio Mizunami. Uh, we talked about it a little bit already um, when we talked about Maki Ito and stuff, but real good match. There was about 10 times I thought it was going to end. Um, I, I, I had thought Sheeta would win here because I didn't think they'd bring Rio in so fast and hand her the title. But there were a few times where I was like, well, if Sheeta didn't beat her there, what, you know, what are they going to do? What's it going to uh, take? Yeah. yeah. And, and for people that aren't familiar with Japanese style finish, that is a Japanese style finish. Yes. It's a couple of rough hits, something that really takes somebody off their feet. It isn't necessarily what we're used to seeing in Americanized wrestling, which is, oh, they hit their finisher. There was a false finish. They hit their other finisher. Sometimes it's just a really hard shot that levels somebody. And that's what we got tonight. Um, I don't know. It was definitely a match where I felt like Sheeta looked as comfortable in the ring as I've ever seen her look before. Super, super confident. Rio was a great opponent. Um, yeah. The match was lined up really well. It's it, If it's not the best women's AEW match, it's certainly in the top five. Um, it just very well worked and with two talents that were familiar with working that style. Um, so overall, great, great representation for that division. And, uh, you know, we had some, we had a little bit of a jump start at the end too. That's right. So we, we know that there's a bunch of people, neither Rose, Britt Baker, Maki Ito ran in. Um, and that set up a match that they're going to have on Dynamite. It is Britt Baker, Maki Ito, Reba versus Thunder Rosa, Sheeta, and Rio. Interesting that neither Rose isn't in that when she was involved with the run-in. Yeah, and it, it's odd because she started the run-in and then they came out. So it's like this quasi-stable faction thing where like, it leads me to believe either she's involved in a different match or she's going to get involved in that match. But why they yeah. decided to do it that way, who knows? Maybe she's got some weird travel schedule or something. And she's well, not gonna be there for too, you have Thunder Rosa, Shida, and Rio Mizunami, and there's no Riho in that equation. Right. So right. you've got two names that were part of like at least the night's activities that are kind of missing on the outside looking in. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the two of them are fighting on dark or something like that. Yeah, sure. Um, Diamond Dallas page 
Al Snow were in the crowd. Al Snow was an interesting one. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page, whatever, we see, we see him all the time. Yeah. But Al Snow was kind of a unique face to have in the crowd. Al Snow, unique face in the crowd, OVW mask. Everybody knows his history for trainers. Um, sure. I mean, gosh, that that early crop of OVW guys, the Randy Ortons, the John Cena's, and all those guys that kind of came out of that, the pre-Shield era, um, Al was a big part of that. Um, so if they got him in the arena for a reason, or who knows if he's doing seminars or something like that, He's a really, really good gat and just a solid guy. And from from everything that I've heard from people that talk about other wrestlers, he's just a genuine good dude. Um, so I like that when they're bringing in guys that are solid with some knowledge and stuff like that and giving them some exposure. And there's a lot of things that that could mean. It could mean that Al Snow wanted to come to the pay-per-view. Sure. It could mean that Al Snow did a seminar for the young guys earlier that day. It could mean they're going to do some ongoing thing. Uh, it could So it could mean any number of range of things, but mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting. Interesting. I, like, I, I appreciate the fact that they take guys and it doesn't matter where they're, where they came from or what their pedigree was or how long they were in a place. And they're willing to show a wrestler. That was a wrestler. Yeah. Dory Fong. It doesn't yeah. matter who you are, or where you came from. If you're a recognizable wrestler, we're going to show the audience. You're going to get your due on TV. It's one of the things that I like about the Yankees game. When they kind of pan around, they show all the celebrities that are in the house it doesn't matter whose team you're on. Oh, you're a wrestler of some prominence. Okay, great. You know what? We're going to give you your due and we're going to give you a shot on camera. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Miro and Kip Sabian versus Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. Real hot start in the back. Miro jumps them, puts uh, Chuck through the, the door window. And, you know, he's bloody and everything before the match starts. But he and Chuck Taylor insists that they're going to have a match, tells the referee to ring the bell. That happens. Um, but ultimately when everything, you know, orange Cassidy eventually came back, he got an orange punch on Miro, all the, all of the stuff, got all the spots, but Miro got game over on Chuck Taylor, got the submission. I think that's kind of how they all thought it would end. And it did, but Miro looked real strong, real tough. Not sure where he's going next, but everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he got a little wobbly on that punch more than I would have wanted him to given the size difference between him and orange when orange came in, but I guess orange is coming in. It was a little bit surprised. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the fact that they decided to put the match together the way that they did rather than it just being okay. Your entrance music and just Munich's in the, it's going to finish the way that everybody in the place knew. Yeah. Hot, it needs start, to be different. hot yeah. start out of the interview, easy way to do it. Not a way you see matches jump started in that way where the guy interrupts an interview and drags his opponent to the ring. I'll give him credit for that. Um, the match was a was a fine match. Kip did his stuff. Miro did his stuff, and yeah, it went pretty chalky. Yeah, and I think that um, there's starting to be a little bit of dissension, maybe between Miro and Kip. You know, the whole knocking Penelope off. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's not. But well, you know how these guys are too. They'll always call back to that, right? So yeah. it's like they're going to drop a little seed in there, and if they need to go that way, they can. If they don't want to go that way, they can go a different direction and stuff like that. Absolutely. But I can appreciate the storytelling nuggets that are available. Yep, 100%. Um, okay, so let's go to another surprise. We've got the, the ladder match. We had five names we knew. Pentagon, Lance Archer, Max Caster, Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky. We knew there'd be a sixth one. We knew it'd be a surprise. Ethan Page is the surprise. Um, he's a name that we all knew was not under contract anywhere. Um, so not a huge surprise when he walks out, 
um, because it's like, oh, yep, that makes sense. And uh, I think what's good about Ethan Page, you know, he owns a promotion in Canada. Um, so he's, he's into, you know, helping developing and stuff like that. Um, he's about 30 years old and, you know, so that's where he is. He's probably in the prime of his career. Yeah. Um, not a household name. Um, you know, most people don't, didn't watch impact or follow impact. So they probably didn't know him. I mean, it's not dissimilar to, you know, when Ricky Starks came out and 90% of the crowd probably had no idea who it was solid worker. Um, I certainly criticized his exit from Impact on the way that he talked about them chopping up the match the incorrect way. I felt like that was a little immature how he came off on social media, at least about that with it, with regard to his response. But a great worker, solid guy, top to bottom. He can wrestle up, he can wrestle down. He's obviously a tag wrestler as well. Yeah. So he's Canadian. Maybe we'll see Ethan Page and Christian tag. Like, you know, there's there's all kinds of really, really good stuff. And I think he's got some connection with Lance Storm too. So um, just a smart ring guy and like one of these quieter experience signings with like more oomph to it than a Lee Johnson. So I would categorize him in, in a similar way to Ricky Stark, a young person that they can build some stuff around that can carry some stuff when these older guys are kind of taking a further back seat. So should yeah. be good. It'll be really interesting to see how he develops, you know, and what, what they do with him and, um, you know, they have the relationship with Impact. Do they do anything with Josh Alexander or do they completely steer clear of that? Um, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But um, Scorpio Sky grabbed the brass ring. He won the face of the ladder, the Revolution ladder match. He will be getting a championship match against uh, Darby Allen on Wednesday. So um, I thought the match was, was pretty good um, as far as ladder matches go. Nothing to, you know, um, it was solid actually. Yeah, there's so, really nothing wrong with it. So they, you know, they went hybrid style, right? We got classic ladder matches where the ladder's just a weapon and a method to, you know, a MacGuffin to get yourself up to the thing to grab the belt or whatever it is. In this case, it was just a giant gold donut. Um, there were some high spots. Ring. There was, there was some, ring. There were some high spots, but there wasn't a ton of them. People were going through them and stuff like that. So I felt like the, you know, the ladders were used in all the ways that you would think that a ladder would be used without having anything. Like there wasn't one specific spot that I came away from the match going, wow, that's the reason to watch that ladder match for, but there wasn't anything wrong with anything. And you had mixed, mixed talent. You know, you got big giant Lance Archer who's running around. You got Max Caster. You got Cody who just a weird, I don't know. Like, it feels like he has to have his own storyline in every single match that he does. Like, we got to do the shoulder injury thing and we got to be in the back and we're kind of in the back, but the cameras held them. The hard cam on that side is held that way. So that we got to see him in the tunnel the whole time. And like, is he coming back in the ring or is he not? And then like that part dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged. So like if we're doing the shoulder out for paternity leave, good, let's, let's make it happen and let's do whatever we need to do. But yeah, it didn't feel, it felt a little out of place in the story of the match. And maybe it was just a way to get Cody off camera a while to get some other people, you know, a turn, I guess. But yeah, I was surprised that he was in the match, even, um, especially with yeah, the I mean, number of people that I guess were. it was a way to get him on the on, the, on show. the show because, yeah, I didn't I didn't really think he was necessary for the match, especially given the talent, the other talent that was in there. No, I was surprised he didn't take a slap from Jade Cargill on the side of the ring. We saw her there the whole yeah. night. Um, that would have been nice for me. I would have like, enjoyed that. 
<laughs> enjoyed her in the ring or doing anything else because I think she's going to be insane. So I, I thought Ethan Page giving Lance Archer the you know release racers edge type of thing was kind of impressive. Holy it's cow! So I didn't realize Archer's, yeah. <laughs> Archer's massive too, and I'm like this isn't going to go well. And it felt like earlier he had dumped somebody on their head or almost dumped Sky on the side of the the ladder there. And I'm like, man, this isn't a great way to welcome yourself. But I guess it's not you know Matt Seidel falling off the corner ring post either. Um, I thought he was good in the match. I was, I, when it was announced that it was him, I wasn't surprised that he wasn't the one that won um, yeah. because he doesn't have a Brian Cage presence to himself. He's not Sting either, so he can take the, the loss and kind of work his way back. I am excited for Scorpio Sky. I think Scorpio Sky, um, I think we're going to see a different Scorpio Sky, a cocky, arrogant Scorpio Sky, a give me my dues Scorpio Sky, um, angry. Um, oh, yeah. That's how it sounded in the commentary. Mm-hmm. He could take he could take the belt and and be a good TNT champion that could defend it a bunch you know, against a bunch of people and I hope that's the case. Uh, if he defended it if he defended it once this month, it'd be more than Darby did in the last two. Um, this match was the only one that I didn't get right on ProWrestlingPickem.com. Uh, I got every other match right. I picked in this one. I had picked the mystery person. When I saw Ethan Page come out, I was like, I'm in jeopardy here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a rough one. Nothing wrong with Ethan Page. It just was, you know, I didn't think he'd be the guy. And I think even, you know, I mentioned before, Scorpio Sky with the character change, it seems like he's probably the one to win. And I I forgot that when I was logging my picks, you know, earlier today. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, Scorpio Sky, he gets, he gets the match with Darby. Uh, and there we go. Adam Page wins Matt Hardy's Q1 earnings. Um, we This is a match where Private Party came out and kind of prevented the, uh, Adam from winning the match early. Uh, and then Dark Order came out to help Adam Page win. Um, you know, so Hardy knocked, tried to knock uh, Page off the ring apron. Dark Order caught him, lift him back up, buckshot Lariat for the pin. Page and the Dark Order celebrated afterwards. Colt Cabana brought a couple of beers down to the ring. Um, if anything is going to get Adam Page in the Dark Order, it'll be a couple of Dark Order beers. Yeah, fine match. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't think – I did not pick Matt Hardy. I had no thoughts that Matt Hardy would win this match because I think Adam Page is going to go on a very long streak on his way to that world title program with Kenny Omega. So – um, yeah. it, I mean, it, it was it, it was a fine match. It just doesn't really stand out as like you know, best of the best. There, there wasn't anything wrong with it. Two veteran guys. They kind of paid this thing off. That I'm sure he'll get to rib at Matt for a little bit for a couple of weeks or whatever. Um, I think it's it was a fine one month or two month little story thing that let the two of them do some character stuff, and it had Matt. <laughs> where he had gotten over on the one contract with private party, not get over on this one. So he got put in check a little bit and, you know, off we go. Darby Allen and Sting defeat Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Um, you know, we wondered and we wondered and we wondered if this was going to be a cinematic match. Um, and for a bunch of reasons, it makes sense that it was a cinematic match. Um, we didn't know what Sting could do. Um, so we, you know, but we'd seen him wrestle a little bit in the last couple of shows, you know, so maybe we thought he could do an actual match, but the fact of the matter is 
that barbed wire match that went on last, they needed some time to set that ring up. So it was kind of good that they had a cinematic match to go to at some sort of offsite location. Um, so this at the beginning, thing, the beginning of the show, I was like, I don't know how they're going to set up this, yeah. this obstacle course. And then I was yeah. like, oh, you idiot. Like, obviously, <laughs> this is going to roll right. And they got exactly the time that they know that they need for this. Like, the commentators delayed a little bit going to cinema. Yeah. Because they were getting yeah. some stuff out and they were like talking. And I don't know what was up with JR today. Obviously, he wasn't feeling good or whatever, but he was kind of a zombie all night. Um, not in a good way, sickly. And yeah. his voice was all banged up. Um, which, I mean, I think Excalibur and Tony can carry it. What I'll say about the cinematic is this was the best produced one by out of all the ones that I've seen so far, the camera angles, the way they approach the car, the drone away from the green car, you know, the, the guy with the mask that's singing Darby Allen's song, that's Das Rake, who's a musician. Like Darby obviously was involved in the production and the way the storyline was laid out and things like that and the build and things. Um, it was, you know, fight club style shot, like really, really good. I'm glad there was a, an actual wrestling ring. If there was one thing that I could complain about yes. the boneyard match, yeah, we didn't have a wrestling ring in the boneyard match and the boneyard match up into this match, I think was by far the best cinematic. I think overall, just due to the, the way it was shot, the story that was told, the number of people that were involved in the different action that was going on. I think this is the best cinematic. I'll give it up to the undertaker and AJ styles for the match they did based on the undertaker being the age that he is. But if I had to compare, Undertaker at his age and Sting at his age versus the involvement in this match. I think this match was a better laid out match. Now, granted, they have the hindsight of all the other cinematics that have come before it too. So, you know, if they were, I would say, have to lead. The thing that was really the thing, the couple of things that were really interesting to me is that um, Darby Allen is like this hyper creative person, Mm -hmm. and is as interested in doing film and movies and things like that as he is in wrestling. So yeah, I'm sure he played an enormous part in the production of this, but like you said, the angles, the smoke, the tone and the coloring, everything that was about the way this was put together was, was really good. It was really a fun exit from the arena. Um, and like you said, well, well produced. I enjoyed the drone shots. I enjoyed, um, there was one spot, you know, there's times where you've got two guys wrestling in the uh, one end of the warehouse or building or whatever. And at the other, and you've got that like camera that zooms across on a, like a rig or something that you see. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I got hook involved. I got Will Hobbs and Hub involved. Um, so you continue that storyline. Yep. I don't know if this is a period at the end of the Taz story, team Taz story with them or not. It seems like it kind of is. It could, it could be, and this is a fine payoff at the end of the whole thing, right? And sure. move on to the next thing for sure. Yeah. Um, and I believe, aside from the barbed wire death match, that covers everything that was on the show. Uh, we did have announced for Dynamite. I think things we've already talked about: Matt Jackson versus Phoenix, the women's six man tag or six woman tag, Darby versus Scorpio Sky for the TNT Championship. And the inner circle war council, where I assume, based on the interview segment we saw with MJF and Jericho, that Jericho is probably going to be turning face and leaving the inner circle. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe we'll see Jericho rekindle his relationship with Sammy Guevara, and there'll be some feuding with the 
new yeah. outer outer circle or whatever they're going to be called. Um, if it's just the two of them, it's the sex gods. Yeah, so. they can be the sex gods, and then the the new inner circle they get to yeah. feud with and go from there. I don't know where that leaves Jake Hager in the mess, but um, Santana and Ortiz seemed like they've been more and more. Well, at least definitely Santana um, has been more and more MJF, and Ortiz has come along too. So. Yeah, Jake Hager was oddly absent, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know he's got his fight coming up too, his MMA thing. So maybe he was just involved in that or whatever. Um, yeah. We'll see. But yeah, it certainly felt like that was Max's attitude. Was yeah. he was pretty disappointed with the results? So I know we opened the show with the barbed wire death match, but Kenny Omega did retain the championship. He beat John Moxley. Um, the match, like I think we said earlier, we liked it. Um, just kind of went out with a whimper, but that shouldn't soil the entire entirety of the match. You know, it was, it was well done. Yeah, the match was well put together. I am I am very much ready for uh, Kenny Omega to go back to wrestling. Yeah. Like, well, here, you know, so here's the spot machine. Like, I don't know why every time he fights John Moxley, it's got to be in some hamster wheel of death match. Maybe John doesn't think that he can go in the ring the same way, or because to me this. It certainly feels like we're setting ourselves up for a triple, right? John got one win. Kenny got another. Let's go to the, the burning tower of Inferno match or whatever. We're yeah. I mean, pay off this triple. I think those two guys are two guys that are willing to do those style matches. Um, and that's probably and they why trust each other. Yeah. That's probably sure. why you're getting those. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready to be done with it for a while. I would love to see Kenny Omega, Japan Kenny Omega long 35 minute masterpiece matches uh -huh. um, and you know and he could do that with a lot of different people on the roster I think so he'd have to probably raise some people up to that level but uh, I think he could you know Sean the rock a lot of guys had to do it so yeah. guess what Kenny it's your turn absolutely yeah all right I think uh, having said that I want to tell people about a few things, starting with the Dropkick T-shirt, which is our featured shirt for uh, for the month. Let me pull this down so you can see it. So the Dropkick T-shirt, it's 20 bucks. Um, every shirt actually on the website, bodyslamclothes.com, is $20. No upcharge for the super soft style. No upcharge for the size that you want. And also, it includes shipping. $20. These are creative pro wrestling shirts drawn by uh, an artist that I work with uh, and all inspired by different professional wrestling moves. The one that we're featuring this month is the dropkick. Last month it was the chair shot. So uh, check them out. They're really fun. I like the shirts and I think you will too. In the primetime rundown, I should mention that this show, if I didn't mention it at the top of the top of the show, this show is powered by the Eastern Observer, and one of their flagship shows is the Primetime Rundown. Join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Friday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports. The show kicks off at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And then the Essential Wrestling Podcast, every Tuesday at 6 p.m., the Essential Wrestling Podcast, hosted by Al Carl. Uh, it has I'm on there, John Smith is on there, John DeCani, Gary Mahaffey, all the people that you normally see as co-hosts on this show. Um, this week I'll actually be hosting it because Al is off doing uh, some business. Uh, Travis will be on to take the spot that I normally fill. 
So that'll be six o'clock on Tuesday and it's six o'clock every Tuesday. So do join that to get an update on the highlights in the world of wrestling each and every week. Then the Daily Wrestling News Show, that's this one. It's typically Monday through Thursday at 10 a.m. We usually start the week off with an interview uh, and that's what we're going to do this week. I have Nelio Cuomo Costa from Coastal Championship Wrestling. He'll be on the show again. They have a whole bunch of shows coming up in March. Uh, Hardcore Cup. They have their big anniversary show with a lot of lot of interesting talent on there. So definitely tune in tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Uh, it's going to be a short night for me, <laughs> but <laughs> should be a, should be a very fun show tomorrow. He always brings a lot of energy. He's a great person to listen to and get a perspective on. Uh, regional independent wrestling, as well as the national stage. So, nice. Good stuff. Travis, anything to say about AEW Revolution before we get out of here? I'll ask you, 110, where do you think it is? It's probably an eight. Um, I think it delivered everything that I wanted it to. Um, I, I would have probably given it a nine, but that finish really took away from everything else um top to bottom though i thought you know we got good storylines coming out we had great surprises i'll take christian all day as the surprise i know some people are going to be disappointed that it wasn't angle or punk or lesnar or goldberg or undertaker or hulk hogan or whatever but yeah i'm good yeah christian i think is good and i like eight as a rating on this by the way the the story element of the the end i thought was great the whole Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, they've been through it all. They when we had the Kingston and Moxley matches back in November, um, there was a lot of stories that went into those, talking about the history and everything and talking about each other's moms and stuff like that. So there's a whole bunch of like emotion and meeting between their about their relationship. Um was the pyro just didn't work? That's all. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. I, I like. We'll see what comes out of that too, because it, it's interesting. Like, you know, Moxley's been the lone wolf for forever, and um, you know, part of the Kingston family, whatever that looks like, or however that goes, is is an interesting place for John to be. It gives him some time to not have to be there all the time too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for watching. This has been our AEW Revolution post show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you'll see you next time. Uh, In the meantime, for Travis, I'm Ryan. And this, well, we'll just see you tomorrow. There you go.